We take you around Austin P, the athletics department, sometimes Clarksville, and occasionally the OVC to give you the full scope of what's unfolding around us. I am Colby Wilson. He is Dylan Schwartz, and here we are again at the behest of some and to the horror of most. Dylan, how are you? I'm doing much better after the AFC Championship game this past weekend. Yeah, whatever. We're not going to hear. That ought to be the last I hear about the Patriots or actually, you know what? Our guests and I talked about that a little bit. Um what you? I'll ask you. What do you think about the? Uh, what do you think about the uh, roughing the passer call there late on the Chiefs? Oh, I mean, obviously it was a terrible call. Like the, you know, should not have been a roughing the passer call. Um, but there were calls that went both ways against both teams, um, including a missed offensive pass interference on the Chiefs that led to the 28-24 touchdown before Brady went back down the field. So you know, it go- goes both ways. Obviously egregious, but. Um, not as egregious as the the Saints one, I think we can. No, um, yeah, that was, whoo, boy, that was bad. Yeah. I mean, when when the guy himself in the locker room says post game, yeah, that was obviously pass interference. I was trying to get pass interference because the alternative would have been the end of the game. Yeah. You know, you've accomplished something substantially bad. Great job, NFL. Uh, do we have any anything to talk about aside from what happened around here last week, um, other than harrowing trip home? from Charleston in the snow and ice. Yeah, um walked, you know, throughout the week we were expecting that bad weather and I think we got on the bus around, you know, 4:30ish. We did not stay for the Lavenza game because of the impending weather. Yeah, we appreciated the sport. <laughs> it, it it was already snowing and you know the roads were already kind of bad um if you weren't you know, if you were on like a major road or by a major town and you know it's around a And Charleston doesn't quite count. Yeah, Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And it's around, you know, three hours, 45 minutes, four-hour drive. And I got back to my car at the Dunn Center, completely frozen over at about 10.30. And it took about two, almost two and a half more hours than expected because of all the the roads and the traffic and all that. So not fun. I thought, that was, I thought I was over with bus trips after my playing career at Cumberland, but apparently not. Yeah, I, this was one of the few times where I had to drive myself to the game and regretted it because it was rough going trying to navigate some of those. I didn't I didn't hit the interstate until about 100 miles outside south of Charleston, and it was a solid sheet of ice and snow and mess all the way down. So it took me it took me almost six and a half hours, a little bit less to get home and now i live in nashville so that's a little bit further but still that was saturday night was no fun for the governors or at least the men's basketball team not only because of the the weather but because of what happened but we'll get into that in a second um looking back at the week uh, you take the good and you take the bad for the governors men's basketball team and the illinois trip last week the good was the siue game 
Terry Taylor had one of the best games of what's already been a pretty distinguished career at this point. He dropped a career-high 33 points and grabbed a dozen rebounds against the Cougar. Uh, took a while to put SAUE away. As we talked about last week, they've got a lot of talent. They've got some really good coaching. Just hasn't quite gelled together to form a successful team yet. But uh, they tied the game early in the second half. Were poised to make a run before Terry took over. He scored 20 points in the second half, including 11 of Austin P's next 13 points beginning around the 14-minute mark as SIUE simply lacked any suitable answers uh, against Terry. The Govs moved to 10-0 and when leading at the half this season. Uh, have won eight straight against SIUE. A little note about that 10-0 and number. Also, be one of 16 Division I teams unbeaten when leading at the half this season. That takes us into Saturday and into Charleston. And Eastern Illinois, long a criminally underrated program during the Jay Spoon Hour era. Always considered a mid-tier or lower-tier program in the league consistently run by Belmont and Murray State. While everybody else has yo-yoed up and down the standings for the last seven years or so, everybody's had their time at the top, everybody's had their time at the bottom. When the league went to divisions beginning in 2012-13, EIU placed third in the West in four of the five seasons under that format and have won between six and nine league games each year since 2012. In that time, five teams have won OVC titles. Three more have reached at least the semifinal round of the OVC championship. And where Tennessee Tech, SEMO, and SIUE, their counterparts in – I don't want to say mediocrity because that's kind of not what EIU has been. Where it's anyway, those other three teams have all reached various stages of bottom out and rebuilding during that era, but EIU really hasn't. The bottom line, as our good buddy Van Stokes likes to say, Eastern Illinois has been looking for a signature win, and after getting throttled and put on Sports Center by Murray State on Thursday night, they were in no mood to mess around when the Govs hit Charleston on Saturday. Panthers hit five straight shots to start the game in 12 of their first 16 before Christopher, Chris Porter Button put the Govs on his back with career-high 24 points, but also to be undone by newcomer Sharif Smith, who scored EIU's final 10 points, including a runner with three seconds to play that ultimately decided the game in the Panthers' favor and put the first blemish on Austin P's OVC record this season. For the women's basketball the entire week, you know, Coach Midlick was – preaching about getting off to a better start and going into these two games on paper it looked like there was more potential for a win than against SEMO or UT Martin the week before although going into SIUE once again a slow start killed the Govs um, got down 8-0 early I think they you know I think they made only one of their first seven shots um, although they did recover it's not like you know it was not like the 20 point deficit they faced against UT Martin. It was only a seven-point game uh, at, at the end of the first quarter, and they only went um, down uh, into halftime, down six. Uh, then a huge third quarter got them back into it, uh, a huge run. Um, the Govs were down as many as, as much as 13, just under five minutes to go in, in the third quarter, and they closed on a 13-0 run, and it really made it any team's game in the fourth quarter. Uh, Keisha Gregory was absolutely unreal in this game 20 points nine of nine from the free throw line and by the way across now these uh this game the eau game and the back end of the ut martin game she's made 25 straight free throws which is um fifth in the country for um consecutive free throws made um she also had six steals which was also her career high um and Maggie Knowles, who had uh, talked more about Maggie as well later, but she had 10 points against the Cougars, including a clutch three-pointer to put the Govs up one late in the fourth, but a runner in the lane by SIUE's Ali Trokler 
uh, gave the Cougars the lead by a, just a single point with about four seconds to go. And give credit to Noel, you know, just a freshman, took the inbounds pass. And, you know, for me, sitting where I was and how many dribbles she took, I'm like, oh, there's not enough time to shoot. But she took just enough dribbles, got a decent look at the basket, but, you know, was off balance and, you know, unfortunately went out. But I still thought the freshman showed a lot of poise, even though, you know, the shot didn't go in. Um, but the Govs knew that. That was maybe the tougher game of the two, and going into EIU, who um, did win their last game before playing the Govs against Murray State, that, once again, get off to a good start, and you'll have you know, a better opportunity to win the game, and they did that. Um, started out great, you know, made the first, I think, three out of four shots. However, EIU went on a big 8-9-0 run, and all of a sudden, now we're looking at, oh, here we go again, got to come back. Um, against um, the Panthers... Uh, three-point shooting was a huge uh, concern for the Govs. Defending that three-point line, they had uh, the Panthers had three um, three players in the top 15 for three-point shooting percentage in the OVC, and um, only allowed them to make uh, make six on only 14 three-point attempts. Uh, the Panthers only led by four after one, and the Govs uh, cut. Th- uh, the Govs actually were leading at halftime by one. So going in th- and going into the halftime break, the Govs knew again a potential for a win was there. Um, again, going into the fourth quarter, it was a tie game, second consecutive game, and that's when Keisha Gregory started to take over. Um, as as much as a fourth quarter performance that was like Tom Brady, like I've ever seen for a collegiate basketball game, Colby is sighing in across not from me at the moment. Ever. I had not, to not sneak every, that in. Not everything has to be Tom Brady related. Jesus. Anyway, um, Gregory, who only had two points coming into the fourth quarter, scored 11 in the fourth, and that was as much as the entire EIU team. Um, she went eight of eight from the line, had a career-high seven assists, but a lot of praise to go to Maggie Knowles, who had a perfect day, six of six from the field, hit her lone three-point shot, and went three of three from the free-throw line to m- combine for a career-high 16 points and also tied her career-high with seven rebounds. Um, Brandy Furby game and career high 19 points and had seven steals, which was one off of the Austin P single game program record for steals. And Ariel Gonzalez Varner contributing late uh, with 12 points and 12 rebounds for her fifth career double double, I believe. Fourth or fifth. Can't check that. I don't have my notes on me at the moment, but it's one Great of those two. Great job, women's <laughs> basketball, SID. <laughs> um, the Govs actually shot better than their opponent on the road for the first time this season. Big reason why they were able to get their first road victory of the season. And th- the Govs closed on a 19-5 to run in that game. That was the difference. Uh, really just that dominant fourth quarter led them to now get back to 500 in OVC play. And, you know, they're going into this game against Tennessee State, you know, looking to try to get to 4-3. and three, And they look at that game as, a, as more of a winnable game. And if they can – you know, play that fourth quarter like they play the whole game against Tennessee State like they did that fourth quarter against Eastern Illinois, then they have a great shot to move up the OVC standings. On the track, Sabrina Richmond doing her best Bree Jones impersonation right now. Third in the 200 with a league best 24.51 and third in the 400 at the Vanderbilt Invitational, one of the South's most prestigious meets. She now leads the OVC in both events nearly a half second by nearly half a second in the 200, more than a full second in the four. No Gov has ever won a 200-meter dash OVC indoor title, and Bree Jones and Selena Lockridge are the only ones with 400-meter crowns. Richmond knocking on the door of history with just about a month to go before OVC. 
Savannah Motto didn't win, but upped her lead in the league pole vault rankings with a 3.99 mark, finishing second among collegiate competitors. A lot of guys rose to the occasion against the stack field this weekend. 13 either entered or improved upon their top 10 standing in the OVC, including Michaela Smith, who ascended all the way to second in the 800-meter run, and Lennox Walker, who moved up to third in the league in the 60-meter hurdles. As for tennis, women's and men's tennis were both in action. The women opened their season, uh, and the men who played last week opened their season at home as well. We're going to start with the women. Um, they won back. They won back-to-back days on the road against Middle Tennessee and Chattanooga, and they came from behind both in both matches uh, against Middle Tennessee. They lost a doubles point and then uh, got wins from Lydia Yanis Garcia, Claudia Yanis Garcia, Helena Kupich, and. Uh, Tatiana uh, Tatiana Lopez and they were uh, able to win that match four to three and against Chattanooga um, again losing the doubles point although uh, Tatiana Lopez and new freshman Hanoka Nakanishi combined (laughs) combined to give Nakanishi her first career victory uh, in a match for the governors and then once again the the Giannis Garcia duo led uh, the Govs in singles, both winning again to make it uh, a 2-1 lead for the Govs at this point. Um, it was 3-2 to the Govs late before another freshman, Danielle Morris, came up and clinched uh, in three sets uh, for the Govs as they opened their season with back-to-back 4-3 match victories um, against two pretty good opponents, uh, in, in especially in the state of Tennessee. Uh, for the men, they played at home against Southern Utah, the first career meeting between the two programs. Uh, fortunately for the Govs, weren't able to come away with a win, but senior Almantas Ozedis led the Govs. Him and freshman Anton Demberg um, teamed for a doubles win, and then Ozelis also won uh, his singles match at number one singles uh, to give the Govs uh, a point, but unfortunately um, the Thunderbirds of Southern Utah, which by the way, great name, the Thunderbirds, to, to be to be fair, but uh, unfortunately the Govs were not able to close that one out. With so much happening last week, no surprise that a few Govs walked away with some hardware from the Ohio Valley Conference. Um, Richmond and Amato uh, helped sweep the OVC track and field uh, weekly honors from the OVC. Once again, already talked plenty about them, and Maggie Knowles also picked up a big honor from the league as well, did she not? Yeah, she got co-OVC freshman of the week for uh, her you know, average 13 points uh, a game uh, across the, the Illinois trip, had seven rebounds against uh, EIU, tying her career high, and went 100% shooting the ball in, in all three facets of shooting the ball from the field, from the three-point line, from the free-throw line. Um, she shared it with uh, Murray State's Macy Turley, and is the first Austin P freshman to win the award since Brianna Furby did it twice last season. That's everything that happened last week. We will take a break and welcome Devin O'Donovan of the baseball team right after this. By all of the things I never had I want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine Smiling next to Oprah and the Queen Oh, every time I close my eyes I see my name in shiny lights Yeah a different city every night. Oh, I, I swear. 
baseball lifer, Devin O'Donovan hails from Somerville, Massachusetts, a northwest suburb of Boston nestled between Harvard and the Winter Hill neighborhood made famous by gangster Whitey Bulger. When time came for college, he headed south, way south, past Boston U, past Boston College, and all the way to Clarksville, where he's become a valuable member of the governor's bullpen, looking for an expanded role this year, and he's consenting to join me today. Devin, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. Let's talk about your family a little bit first. Uh, it says in your online bio, let's go p.com, that your father and grandfather both played. What level did they reach, and how did their experience help mold you as a ball player? Um, well, my grandfather was from Ireland. He played ever since uh, ever since he could really throw a baseball. Um, he came over here when he was around 13, and uh, baseball has been in our family ever since. Uh, he was a four-year starter at Boston University when they had a baseball team. They no longer do. And... Um, then he was asked to try it with the Dodgers, but uh, his father died when he was really young, and he had uh, five other siblings to take care of, so he couldn't do that. Um, for my father, he played a little bit in college, um, but uh, you know it was just kind of like the same deal. Baseball has been in my family and forever. Was it the first love or the only love in terms of sports? No, I played hockey and football too, and it was tough trying to. Um, balance between the three and find out which one I, I love the most but I think I think baseball was was kind of always my, my love hockey when did you when did you kind of have to phase that out of your life um senior year of high school um so that was kind of my last after the winter that was the last time I, I played were you good enough to go on a little bit further or was that kind of the end of the road for you um I think so I just didn't really really try uh I think football or baseball would have been my option describe how you prepare for an appearance on the mound what what's your routine what do you go through well I'd be lying if I said I don't get nervous before I go out there um sitting in the bullpen you kind of kind of have to go through batters and, and usually throughout the game you're watching how the hitters hit and and uh their weaknesses their strengths and where you want to throw the ball where you don't want to throw the ball so you kind of go through that um but the biggest thing is just to stay relaxed and I go out there and, you know, you've done all the work beforehand, so um, you should just go out there and play baseball. Are superstitions in baseball important or overrated? Uh, personally, I don't really have any. Um, but some guys will, will do some pretty crazy stuff before they go out and pitch or before they go to the plate or when they get up there. Um, so I think it, it's definitely important for some people. It's It's just kind of like a... Um, like a mental reset, something that, that allows them to like focus on what they're doing. What's the weirdest superstition you've seen? Uh, uh, one of my friends I played summer ball with would hop back and forth over the third baseline before I got out there probably like 10 or 15 times. He also had a pretty bad case of OCD, but... <laughs> uh, one-legged or two-legged or... Uh, both, <laughs> yeah. Describe the cultural adjustment for you from the Northeast to the Deep South. Um, I mean, I'd like to say that the accents are weird, but I bet people think mine is weird, weird too, being from the North. I was going to say, we make quite a pair right now, me with my accent and you with yours. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's not really weird anymore, but um, getting here, I think the people were definitely a lot nicer. Uh, you can kind of have a conversation with someone without them telling you to go away. Um, so... It was a culture shock, but I adjusted pretty quickly. I mean, the school's great. made a lot of great friends here, so I'm enjoying it. What got you down here in the first place? Kind of describe your journey from right outside Boston to Clarksville. 
Um, one of my summer coaches knew uh, Jansen, and uh, uh, he had sent him players before, so they had been in contact throughout the years, and uh, it came up that you know they needed a pitcher here. Um, and I was a pretty late recruit anyway, but uh, they got to talking, sent videos and, and whatnot, and um, I got a call from coach and asked me, you know, some questions, and then he asked me if I could fly down here and visit the school, and um, right away I jumped at the opportunity, and that day I said I wanted to come here. What was your first impression of Austin Peay? I was hoping it'd be warm all the time, to be honest. Would you come for your visit? Uh, in the summer. Oh. August. So. Oh, so you, you're really confused when it came to December and all of a sudden it was cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I deal with the cold, so it's, it's not that big of an issue. Um, but I liked it. I mean, they had great facilities. You know, four terras, unbelievable weight room there, great trainers, uh, we had great coaches, and, you know, I, I liked it right away. Describe the experience the first time you go to the mound in a Division One baseball game. What what's running through your head? Uh, honestly, I was thinking of my dad. You know, uh, I knew he he was probably living vicariously through me, and and he wishes he was out there. But uh, but I knew that um, it was a happy moment for him, happy moment for me. I was I was extremely nervous, but. I just wanted to get out there and show them that I can kind of compete at this level and hang with the big dogs. Have your parents been able to come down and see you play for the Governors? They have. They have. What was that like to play in front of them? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was great for them to to watch me out there. Um, you know, my little brother and sister came too, and they got to see it. So, it was all, yeah, I loved it. Hey, y'all, quick break to talk about Singletary Construction. Since 2005, Singletary Construction has been building custom homes in the Clarksville area. With a long history in framing, they are well aware of the structural roadblocks that arise when designing your custom home. Their extensive knowledge allows them to take your custom home design further than anyone else. What are you waiting for? Contact Singletary Construction at 931-542-9931 today and find out how you can get started on your very own Singletary Custom Home. Singletary Construction, a proud supporter of Austin P. Athletics. What do you guys talk about in the bullpen during a game? Um, we kind of just watch the game. Um, honestly, we just we like to go through each hitter and and what they're good at. Um, but for the most part, we're just cheering on our team on both sides of the ball, trying to keep us in the game and keep us motivated. And y'all don't ever cut up or crack up or do anything out in the. You, if you're gonna tell me that <laughs> you're just you're just laser focused on the game for nine innings, I'm gonna no, have to call no. BS on that. We like to we like to spit some chatter at the other team, but we got to keep it uh, kind of on the low so coach doesn't hear us and yell at us. <laughs> do you study hitters more during the game, or do you kind of take a lot of your cues from the scouting report you see beforehand? Um, our pitching coach Greg Brown he does a great job with the scouting reports and. And um, so, I mean, they've the coaches in general have kind of narrowed it down from guys they've seen previously, and and what they're and what they're good at, and you know how they play. If they're a fast runner, if they're going to steal bases, if the team likes to run in general. Um, so knowing that going into the game is, is is definitely a big help. But while you're watching the game, you know some guys have good days, some guys have have bad days. So you kind of got to pick up on what's what's going on in the moment. 
Let's talk about analytics in baseball for a minute. Are you a big numbers guy when it comes to the game? No, the numbers guy on our team would be Greg LeBan. Oh yeah, LeBan told me. Believe yeah, me. oh yeah, he knows <laughs> he knows everything. As as the numbers have become more prevalent trickling down to the college game, have you seen the way you're coached change in any capacity or is it still it's still just baseball? Um for the most part it's still just baseball, but I mean that's just how we play the game. You can't really bring numbers when you're out in the field. You're not going to, you know, when I'm pitching, I'm not thinking numbers. I'm just throwing a baseball. So um, while I'm in the game, no. But in our preparation and practice, yes, we we definitely uh, have a lot of stats lined up and how you did in the fall. And um, we have this machine. It's called Rapsodo, and it gets the, the spin rate, the spin axis of the ball, the movement. Um, I mean, it's, it's a great machine, so let you know like what you're doing wrong what needs to be done better what do you as an individual player take from that um it just allows me to see what my pitches are doing and what i need to do to make them more effective um one of baseball's typical stock answers to any situation is i just try to stay within myself when asked a question the the baseball player will answer well i'm just trying to stay within myself and help my team win what does that phrase mean Well, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it's a funny phrase, uh, but I I don't think you're just just kind of do what you've always been doing. I mean, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty simple game when you think about it. Um, you throw a baseball, someone tries to hit it. If they hit it, then other people make plays if they can. Um, so I don't think you have to go on the mound and try and throw a hundred miles an hour if you can't do that. You know, just throw your pitches try and execute them and and whatever happens happens if they make a good play if they if they hit the ball then it is what it is you know they're gonna throw again you're a finance major with an econ concentration yes what are you planning to do with that um I, i've always been kind of interested in the stock market so maybe i'll be the next wolf of wall street we're gonna do some rapid fire here to close it out sounds good what is your favorite word Platypus. Any particular reason, or you just kind of like the way it sounds? It just kind of popped in my head. Okay. What's your least favorite word? <laughs> um, no clue. That's two, but we'll count it. Who or what inspires you? Who or what? Um, I mean, I guess just great people in general inspire me. Um, who would that be specifically? I mean, I think one of the greatest people in the world would be my dad um, and my mom. They kind of, they kind of both have uh, everything that I'd want to be when I grow up. Um, so them, and then looking at the greatest, I'd say probably Tom Tom Brady. So you're excited for two Sundays from now? Absolutely. What did you think of the end of the game this last week? Um, I mean, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous, but uh, I wasn't nervous. Because you had Brady? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's the GOAT. He's, he's the best quarterback there ever is, ever will be. What about the uh, what about the rough and the passer call where he got lightly tapped on the shoulder? I mean, 
It's football. There's human errors. You can't. <laughs> yeah, the Saints fans feel you right now with that one. What's the last book you read for fun? Last book I read for fun. Green Eggs and Ham. What is your worst habit? My worst habit. Are you biting my nails? What's the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Um. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I've been in some pretty scary situations, but... Um. Which one sticks out and won't get the law called on us to come down and have you testify? Uh, I slid into a gutter playing um, wiffle ball in my backyard when I was when I was around eight years old and cut my foot pretty bad. Uh, had like two of my toes kind of just dangling there. Oh dang! Yeah, so that was pretty scary. I imagine so. You said you were eight. Yeah. What is your idea of happiness? People may disagree, but I'd say a lot of money. <laughs> You're not going to get any disagreement from me. <laughs> what is your idea of misery? Being famous with money. What makes you self-conscious? Mm. Outer appearance, external appearance. What's the most embarrassing song that you love? Maybe Baby by Justin Bieber. How would you prefer to die? In my sleep. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Tiger. Why? Pretty cool animal. What might prompt you to lie? If someone's not going to like the answer that I'm going to say. What makes you hopeful? The future. What is our purpose in life? To help others keep winning. Well, hopefully you'll do a lot of that this spring. What are, you, what are your expectations for the spring as you guys get underway in three weeks, four weeks? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I, I think we got a great team. We lost some, a few of our you know, good players last year. But um, I think guys filled the roles and, and stepped up. And uh, I, like, I like the depth we have pitching-wise this year. So I think we can make it, make it big. Um, if there's going to be a year to do it, this is the year. You got quite a bit of time last year, especially further towards the end of the year. Are you expecting kind of the same – are you expecting a step up in your playing time this year? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to be too worried about that. I'm just going to try and fill whatever role I get and uh, help the team out really any way I can. Well, looking forward to catching you guys on the diamond here soon. Hopefully it'll be a little bit warmer than it is today. Devin O'Donovan, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad. Buy all of the things I never had. I want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine. Smiling next to Oprah and the Queen.
big thanks to Devin O'Donnell for joining us this week as we look ahead to the weekend. Finally back in the Dunn Center for some hoops as Tennessee State and Belmont are set to come to the Dunn. In its first season under Penny Collins, TSU obviously still trying to find itself. Uh, the, the Tigers faced a formidable non-conference schedule, but are rounding into something during league play, having defeated Tennessee Tech on the road and EKU at home and played Tech within a bucket at the Gentry Center while also taking a still unbeaten JSU down to the wire. Ole Miss transfer Dante Fitzpatrick Dorsey has been among the league's best newcomers and will be a key focus for the Governors and Terry Taylor this week. Belmont, one of the league's giants in this season, no different. But JSU may have the formula for taking down the Bruins. Jacksonville State already defeated Belmont twice this season, including on opening night of league play on the road. JSU has incredible athletes that can space the floor, and Jason Burnell has feasted twice against the Bruins. The freaky athleticism of some of the governor wing players, who, including Steve Harris, who has always played pretty well against Belmont, will be vital here. The women's team is also finding some success to finally picking up its first road win. That'll give them some confidence coming back into the friendly confines of the Dunn Center. They are 7-1 and one in the Dunn Center this season, including winning their last five. Taking on a Tennessee State team that is kind of a shell of itself, you know, about a few years removed from an OVC title. Um, they're just 1-17 on the year, but their one win did come in league play against Eastern Kentucky, and they have played some very tough opposition. I think they only lost by six to Wisconsin. You know, when you think of Wisconsin, think of a great basketball program there. Um, play I think a cheese, personally. <laughs> um, where was I at again? I something about Wisconsin something about I Wisconsin. started thinking about Chase. Oh yeah, they they play they played a lot of common opponents like the Govs didn't win those games, but they kept it close. So um Tennessee State can can still obviously play the game of basketball and they know what they're doing. That's about That's your expert opinion. That is an expert opinion. Um they do have a duo in Taylor Roberts and Tia Wooten who are both named to the preseason all OVC team. So while the Tigers don't shoot the ball really well or rebound it very well this duo can really heat up they are their two best shooters uh tia wooten leads the team in rebounding roberts leads the team in assists and scoring and wooten is the second leading scorer and the tigers only one of three teams to place more than one player on the preseason all OVC teams along with belmont so the govs get two of those teams um in the dunn center this weekend so when you look at tennessee state as long as you can control maybe it j just one of those players, then you have a very good opportunity to win the game. Uh, going against Belmont, everybody knows about Belmont. They've always, since they've come into the OVC, they've been one of the, the brightest basketball programs on both the men's and the women's side, but they've already lost once this season. Um, you know, last season, they didn't lose conference game at all, and most weren't even close, but they are beatable. And I think if the Govs can come out and, and shoot well from three-point range um, and, and try to match that high-powered Belmont offense. Belmont has taken about a hundred more three-pointers than anybody else in the league right now, but they haven't really shot it very well. I think they're only about 32% from three-point range, which isn't, it's not, it's not terrible, but it's not amazing. And so if the Govs can come out and, and limit um, the amount of good three-point shots Belmont can get, as well as creating good three-point shots for themselves, and at least trying to match that offense, then the Govs, I think, um, can, can easily walk away um, against Belmont in the Dunn Center with a win. Track and field finally taking a journey uh, quite a bit east this weekend as the Governors head to Huntington, West Virginia for the Thundering Herd Invitational hosted by Marshall. 
Last year, this was an actual scored meet. You don't often get those during indoor season where the governors finished seventh. Runner-up showings for Tamitha Tolbert and Daisha Hicks ruled the day for Austin P. But Savannah Amato will look to avenge an uncharacteristic no-height here last year. As for tennis, both teams are back in action this weekend. The men at home to Lipscomb on Friday. So another in-state rival here for the Govs that's visit the Governor's Tennis Center. The Govs have had some success in the past against Lipscomb. Uh, last couple seasons, Lipscomb has kind of kind of turned that edge for themselves. Um, but the Govs, you know, hopefully, especially led by Ozellis, who had a great uh, opening home match with a doubles and a singles win, can try to get their first win of the season. Uh, the women are open their home schedule at the Governor's Tennis Center against Western Kentucky. Um, and, you know, led by the Giannis Garcia sisters, um, the reigning OVC freshman of the year in Fabian Schmidt, who didn't play actually this opening weekend due to injury, but she might be expected back for this. Um, you have a second team, all OVC returnee and, and, and Helena Kupik. You have two very versatile freshmen, according to head coach Ross Brown, who can give you a lot in, in doubles and singles in Danielle Morris, who clinched that win, as I said earlier, against Chattanooga with a singles win. And then Hanoko, um, Nakanishi, who comes from Japan and has only been here for a couple of weeks and has already um, picked up her first win uh, as a governor. And you also have Tatiana Lopez and Ana Albertson, who have provided valuable depth. I thought you could only play six at a time. You just listed like 19 people. You can switch between doubles and singles. You don't have to play. Like, if you play doubles, you don't have to play singles. If you play singles, you can play doubles. You know? See what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah. Like, as, as anybody <laughs> listening to the Woodham pod will attest, I don't know a ton about tennis. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I meant to learn about tennis once upon a time, and I'm still trying to get there. Well, regardless, the Govs have a lot of depth going into this match against West Kentucky. And, and while that could be a good problem here for, for Coach Ross Brown, um, if, if some players start to perform well, they can easily move up in the lineup or, or you know, move up spots into the lineup for higher positions and play better opponents. And, you know, Western Kentucky generally um, – a, a, a decent team with yeah, with a decent program. They also have an Eastern Kentucky uh, player once that program was folded. Um, the Eastern Kentucky obviously won the OVC title for the women last year. Uh, one of their players now playing for Western Kentucky, so the guys will have some familiarity as well playing not only a program they've played before, but players they've played in the past. Elsewhere around Austin P, it's that time of year again to get in touch with Haley Jacoby for your community service opportunities uh, as those AP Govs Cup points need to be accrued as the spring semester gets into full swing. And the last reminder for this, either, well, depending on when you listen to this, either today or tomorrow, January 24th, we'll be honoring our academic achievers at halftime of the Tennessee State men's basketball game. January 25th is the Hall of Fame dinner, and then January 26th will be the recognition during the Belmont basketball games. So, that's this week now. We've, we've talked about it for the past few weeks, so hopefully you've marked this on your calendars, and hopefully you are um, ready to help uh, honor all of our um, students and, and Hall of Fame inductees. Another thing we brought up last week, we want to keep hitting this home, is Hoops for Heroes on February 8th at the Echo Power Club level over at Forterra Stadium. SAC sending a veteran to the OVC tournament. Dinner is free, but a small donation goes a long way at this event. Uh, reach out to Ryan Combs for those details, or any member of SAC ought to be able to help you out with that. 
and get in touch. Stay in touch with us via web and social media. Dylan, do that thing you do where you tell people where to find us. Yeah, you should know by now. Everyone should know by now. Let's go P.com or Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Let's Go P. You can also follow each individual team uh, on Twitter at their respective team handle. Um, Taylor, I always, I always get Tyler and Taylor. You know, I always, I always. The digital team. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Wiseman and and Tyler Davis there in digital services and video services. They uh, are getting some great content out. All that basketball um, pregame stuff that you see with Coach Midlick, Coach Figure, and some of the players. They do great work there, as well as um, the great game day graphics as well created by them. So we're very, very thankful they're able to do that for us. Let's go P.com for dates, news, stories. Dylan, Cody Bush, Stefan Nolay, myself, we do something, I'm sure. And you should go check it out at letsgop.com. Yeah. And once again, going to have to cover tickets because we got games coming up this weekend. We've got games uh, next month and the big one, Murray State, for both men and women are, is on the horizon. So go see Katie Locke and Sydney Hooper in the ticket office. They will have you covered with whatever ticket needs that you desire. Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating and review on the podcast, and if you want to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out, or remind me to just finish filling out the script each week. Email us at schwartzd at apsu.edu or wilsonrc at apsu.edu, and we will talk to you guys again next week. Goodbye.